So before we get into today's episode, let's talk about what are archetypes. And I'm sure you've heard the word archetype before, but the way I'm using it is strictly in a Jungian archetype definition. So a Jungian archetype is a universal, archaic symbol, image, or theme that has been derived from the collective unconscious. These archetypes are important pieces of our journey towards self-realization, shadow work, or even just simple introspection and getting to know ourselves. Archetypes are really just a way to categorize things, and don't think of it as a limiting factor. Don't think of these as something that is a limitation or anything that holds you back or puts you in a box because it's not. It's really an organizational tool, per se. (laughs) I tend to really like archetypes. They help me sort through things, and I find that they're very accurate. They really do cover a lot of ground, especially the Jungian archetypes. There are 12 of them, and we are going to go over all 12 over the next couple weeks. But something I want you to remember is that we embody every single one of these archetypes to varying degrees. Some will be stronger than others, and some might not need as much work as others. The very conscious ones are the ones that shape who we are and also form parts of our personality. And the very unconscious ones are the ones that cause us to act out of character or not in our best interests or just against our better judgment. And the ones that are unconscious are the shadows. They all have the potential to become a shadow depending on life experience and really just what happens in your lifetime. Anything can cause a shadow to happen. And that's why I say that you embody all 12 at any point in time in your life. And certain archetypes will pop out in certain situations. When you're at work, maybe you put you use a couple of them. You put on your mask, your work face, and you're using a couple of your strongest archetypes there. And then when you go home or when you're around your friends, a few of the other archetypes pop out. It's very situational. It's very life experience based. So don't get too hung up on defining yourself Because you're going to ask, okay, how am I going to know which one of these is me? How am I going to know? And the the answer is you'll know. When I'm talking about these and I'm describing them, you're going to think, oh, oh, that's me. Or I do that. And you're going to feel attacked. You're going to feel seen. So you will know which ones are your good ones and which ones are your quote unquote bad ones, the, the shadow ones, the ones that you need to integrate more. And you'll most likely see a theme with which archetypes are the most prominent and where your greatest strengths are and also where you need to do a little more work. So for example, I embody the magician and the sage archetypes very heavily. The magician and the sage are masculine and feminine counterparts. I tend to embody one much more over the other, which means I'm not balancing my masculine and feminine aspects properly, but that is a completely different topic that we're not going to be talking about today. I do want to clarify that I'll be using words like masculine and feminine. When I say this, it has nothing to do with the societal labels of gender. I'm referring to the yin and the yang, the light and the dark sun and moon, active and passive. It's an expression of duality in this context. Two things to not get hung up on while we're talking about these. The first is labeling yourself and forcing yourself to fit in boxes. 
And the second is uh, the terminology of masculine and feminine. Rather, think of it again as light and dark, active and passive. That's what we're talking about here. So to know your archetypes is to really know your strengths and your weaknesses. As we're going through these and you start identifying which archetype is uh, your main one and which ones are the ones you might need to do shadow work with, you're really going to start identifying where your strengths are and where your weaknesses are. And knowing your strengths is a strength. Knowing your weaknesses is a strength. The only time knowing our skill set turns into weakness is when we deny it or we try to put it aside. So not acknowledging that you have a strength is a weakness, and then also not acknowledging your weaknesses is a weakness. The first Jungian archetype we're going to be talking about is the ruler or the king archetype. This is heavily aligned with masculine energy, and it can also be called the father archetype. The ruler's main characteristic is their need for power. They want to obtain prosperity and will generally do so through any means. Their main fear is being overthrown. So in today's world, that translates to being replaced, not being needed, being fired, being obsolete, and also not being able to make their plans happen, not being able to put their plans into action and really dominate and make their goals happen. When this archetype is working well, we see someone who is able to take their plans and make them a reality. The key with this archetype is to be a benevolent king rather than a tyrannical one. A benevolent king is a good leader and can gain people's respect through their actions rather than by force. This is a lead by example archetype when it's working well. Leading by example and showing others that you talk the talk and walk the walk is when you know that this archetype is functioning at its peak. And an example of this archetype working really well is think of a manager or a boss or a supervisor, even a teacher, just someone, a coach, someone in an authority type position that you just really respected and you didn't mind working for them or you didn't mind listening to them because you could tell that they really cared even though they were in a position of power per se. They were very responsible with their power and they gained your respect because they just exuded respect back to you, even though they were somewhat in a position of power. That's the benevolent king. It's having a likable persona while maintaining a sense of authority. And it has to do with charisma and authenticity. Now, how can you tell when the shadow side of the king is cropping up? When this happens, we see an unruly, and emotionally unstable leader. So that supervisor, boss, or coach example I gave you, think of the opposite. Think of the worst manager or supervisor you've ever had. This could be someone who ruled by using fear rather than compassion. The ego is inflated here, and there's going to be a sense that no one can complete tasks as good as the Shadow King can. There's going to be a lot of micromanaging and not wanting to delegate tasks or work in a team environment. And then the shadow king gets mad that they have to do all the work. The shadow king thinks, okay, I'm the only one competent enough to do this. I have to take on all the work. Why is it always me? And what they're not realizing is they're not utilizing their team. They're not relying on people. And it's really their own doing because 
They're scared to delegate to others for whatever reason. The Shadow King is a strict authoritarian and uh, really rules with an iron fist. And not only at work, but also at home. The king or ruler archetype often gets put into work. And I think that's just because we have a, a capitalistic society. That's just how our society works at the moment. So the king archetype gets put in a workplace setting. But it can happen at home too. If you're the leader of the household per se, and uh, you uh, are not so nice, it can be a not great home life environment. There's a deep mistrust in others when this archetype is in its shadow form. And uh, so that shadow takes on the I'll do it myself mentality and just really thinks that no one else is competent enough to be doing what they're doing. And then these feelings of being overwhelmed and stressed are really seen here, but it's much to their own making. There's a lot of repressed anger that leaks out at random times, and that's a key sign that this archetype is asking for attention. So when the king is working well, he is someone that is kind of loved by all and really just garners respect through talking the talk and walking the walk. It's not that he's out there just giving orders and assuming you'll do it. It's also you've seen him do it. He's guided you through it. He is a good leader, a good supervisor, a good manager, a good king. So when the shadow king is lurking around, that's when we see people just not wanting to uh, really be in the community. They sit on their throne and they self-isolate and uh, Again, the main thing here is just really feeling like you have to do everything alone because no one else is able to help you, and then you have this buildup of anger. Those are the main things we see when this archetype is in shadow form. The next one we're going to talk about is the caregiver or the mother archetype, and this is aligned with our feminine side. Now, please do not get hung up on the word mother here. I know a lot of people don't like that word to describe this type of energy, but you can literally be a mother to anything. You can birth ideas, projects. You can be a plant mom, a cat mom, a dog mom. It's more about being a caretaker and a nurturer than a traditional mother. So while the king is worried about making decisions and leading people, the caregiver is concerned with the well-being of others overall. So the king is out there, you know, making the rules and ruling over his people. And then the caregiver is making sure that the people are nurtured and happy and healthy. As a mother archetype, this encompasses love, compassion, patience, protection, and generosity. There's a nurturing aspect seen here, and it's one that puts the needs of other people before their own. So I think you can guess how the shadow is going to play out for this one, possibly. <laughs> when functioning well within a person, the caregiver is adaptable and it wants people to grow. This archetype truly wants to see others grow when it is at its best. A balanced caregiver knows when to say no and has clear boundaries with people, even if they're helping others. So sometimes one of the best things you can do to help someone is not help them. It's to kind of guide them, but still let them do it on their own. And that's what a caregiver does. That's what the caregiver archetype is able to do. They're able to distinguish between when people actually need help and uh, 
when they just need a push in the right direction. This archetype is connected to the root chakra, and you're able to nourish others, but also nourish yourself. So it's really that whole trope of uh, you can't pour from an empty cup. The caregiver archetype really understands that. They really understand that you need to have your own cup full in order to help others. Now on to the shadow side of the caregiver. So when the caregiver is acting through its shadow, it usually goes one of two ways. And these are called the victim and the slave. The victim happens when you have a difficult time saying no and you exhaust yourself for the sake of others. The key here is that there is a major lack of boundaries. You lose your sense of self and begin living only to nurture others or even just one other person in particular. You could have a wonderful caregiver archetype within you. Say your caregiver archetype was functioning amazingly. It was, uh, you know, peak performance. Everything's great. You have great boundaries. You could meet one person that is extremely manipulative and uh, they just shatter your boundaries and then you begin really only living for them. And I think we see that a lot in abusive or manipulative relationships. So that's often how a typical caregiver archetype can turn into the shadow caregiver archetype. So it's called the victim because these people often become victim to others and basically take on the role of an unappreciated mother. And unappreciated mothers often become bitter and resentful. So when this happens, the shadow caregiver will act in manipulative, passive-aggressive ways in order to make people see all that they're doing for them. So this one is, this one's very heavy. I always feel a lot of heavy energy around the shadow caregiver. And that's because it's born out of a place of just resentment and feeling bitter and feeling like, you know, you're doing a lot, but what you don't realize is you're doing stuff that maybe people aren't even asking for, or maybe you're getting taken advantage of and you really need to set those boundaries with yourself. And that's when the caregiver goes into the victim mentality, where they just kind of keep pouring from that empty cup, they never fill it up for themselves, and then they kind of play the victim and be like, boo, this happened to me, but really, they're in a cycle of they're doing it to themselves. Now, the slave mentality happens when there's still a semblance of boundaries, but then when the person exercises them, They feel massive amounts of guilt or shame or like you've completely abandoned the person that you said no to or put up your boundaries with. These people will feel trapped in a cycle where if you don't help people, then you think they won't like you. But if you do help people, then you're pouring from that empty cup again and you lose your sense of self and you risk really being in a toxic cycle. The caregiver archetype can turn to a shadow, like I said, when you meet a super manipulative person, but also these people most likely didn't receive enough love or praise from their mother figures or certain parental role models in their life, and they have a lot of feelings of unworthiness, and that's why they're constantly doing so much for other people. They're trying to get their approval through showering them in love that they didn't receive themselves. They're trying to prove their worth through, look at all I do for you. Look at all these things that I do and I care for you and I nurture you. Appreciate me. That's what this shadow is saying. So 
That's a really heavy one to unpack. And again, I always feel a very heavy energy when I talk about this one. So just take these archetypes in stride. That's why we're only going to talk about a couple of them a week because they can be extremely hard to deal with. This stuff is big self-reflection. This is not easy stuff. Shadow work is not for the faint of heart and you should be in a very solid place before you attempt it. Just know that if you're listening to these and any of them are resonating with you, it's okay and it's the start of a realization or maybe you already realized it and there's still some pain there. That's okay. Keep going. You will get through it. Moving on to the everyman or orphan archetype. The main objective of this archetype is to fit in. It's our sense of belonging with our families, friends, and community. A well-balanced everyman knows how to integrate themselves into society, plays well with others, and is secure in their place. There's no need to take the spotlight and be center stage all the time because you know that when the group wins, you win. This part of us helps us form healthy and secure attachments with others. The balanced everyman also recognizes that they need not be anything other than who they truly are to fit in and that they will find their people. So that's when the everyman is really just doing well and it's happy and it's healthy. You realize, you know what? Yeah, I've had falling outs with people or yeah, I'm not always the center stage of my friend group, but I don't need to be because they love me for me. The shadow side of the everyman, however, is a bit different. If you are feeling like you're being ignored, left out, or forgotten about, that's how we know the everyman shadow is present. And notice I said feeling. Oftentimes, this is an irrational fear that takes hold of people due to past traumas where they were actually left out or abandoned as a child. These people will also self-isolate or withdraw voluntarily from groups. The shadow everyman is extremely dependent on others and will often try to seem helpless in order to garner sympathy from others. These are the people who have that kind of hurt puppy quality and they're always telling you about troubles or woes to try to, again, garner sympathy. They want you to feel bad for them and like you need to take care of them. You can't leave them behind because they need you. They will even refrain from learning how to do things and have certain skills so that other people feel responsible for them. They create these false situations and scenarios where others will feel important and needed to keep them around. So it's really a very low-key manipulative shadow. It's really functioning from a place of insecurities and just not feeling good enough or feeling like the herd is going to abandon me. So I need them to carry me. I need them to feel important. So I'm going to make up scenarios where they can help me and then they'll feel important and they'll stick around. So while these people use their helplessness to manipulate others, they can also be easily manipulated by stronger willed types that don't have their best interests at heart. The shadow every man will conform to whatever someone wants them to be in order to fit in. And you can see how that could be dangerous. They often end up being manipulated into doing things they otherwise wouldn't do, all for the sake of feeling like they have a home and that they finally fit in. But what these people need to realize is that this isn't a true home. A really simple example of this is peer pressure and when younger kids dare their friends to 
do something silly and then they do it because they want to fit in and be liked. Sometimes people are just mean and sometimes people see the weaknesses in others and they pounce before you have a chance to put your boundaries up. If you are someone with the everyman shadow, you really aren't going to have boundaries because you want as many people rushing to save you as possible. You want as many people in your circle as possible because at any moment, one of them could abandon you. So you need to have a network of people that you can rely on. But in reality, that network is false. The everyman shadow is really forming false connections in order to just feel safe. And they're weaving a web that isn't very strong. Lastly, the shadow everyman comes knocking when we have a lot of anxiety about who we are and our self-identity. If you aren't being true to yourself, you're going to get anxious about it at some point, and you ultimately stunt your mental, emotional, and spiritual growth when you aren't anything other than yourself. So like I said, the shadow everyman is forming all these connections, and they are really trying to make sure they have this safety net but they're not being themselves when they do it, so the connections are not strong, and those safety nets are going to fall through time and time again, which is only going to reinforce the notion that everyone leaves me. So you can see how the shadow every man gets in this cycle of, I make friends, they let me down. I make friends, they let me down. And so they just keep going over and over again. But what the shadow every man isn't doing is focusing on themselves. They aren't projecting their true authenticity. So that's why they're not finding their people. Because when the everyman is in its purest form and it's functioning well, then we see someone who is confident and strong in who they are, and then they attract the right connections. So that's what this archetype is really going for here, is being confident in your own identity and then trusting that you will find your people based on that. The last one that we're going to go over today is the creator or the artist archetype. This is similar to the king archetype, except there's no leadership qualities or ruling over others involved. It's more about being a visionary and creating something worthwhile in this world. These people are happy if they can make something beautiful and then set it out into the world for others to enjoy. Unlike the king, who needs to be in control, the creator is just happy to be creating. Overall, this is the creative part of ourselves and what we do to express that side of our personality. So the shadow side of the artist or the creator is as follows. Your creator's shadow will come knocking if you're feeling aimless and like what you create doesn't matter. Maybe you're even creating for the wrong reasons or you're feeling burnout and in a creative slump. Perfectionism is huge here, and also feelings of mediocrity. If you can't or won't create because something isn't perfect, that is 100% the shadow creator knocking at your door. If you limit yourself from making art or expressing yourself because it won't be good enough or live up to the unrealistic standards that you set for yourself, that is the shadow creator knocking at your door. And also, with this shadow archetype, you have to dive into why are you setting the bar so high? And is it because if you don't try, then you can't fail? Is that where everything is really stemming from? Are you just saying, well, if it's not perfect, I'm not going to do it, and nothing's ever going to be perfect, so then you don't do it, and then you never have to fail. That's what I see a lot with this archetype. 
If you're someone that has a very prominent creator archetype, then you need your outlets, you need your art, you need your expression. Otherwise, you'll end up creating chaos in your life because you aren't properly expressing yourself or using your outlet, which that's the creator shadow knocking and saying something is completely out of whack. I think in the age of social media, we all experience the creator or artist shadow at some point and to some degree. A lot of the time we get really wrapped up in posting the perfect picture, whether it just be a simple selfie or something new for our business, and then we allow the creative process to be derailed and we start creating content that's tailored to the needs of others instead of following our actual vision because we think it's going to get us likes and love and all that. This shadow really speaks to having balance with what we create just because we're creating and then also what we create because we want to share it with the world. You really need to find the balance between I'm just doing this for me and I never took a picture of it. I learned a new skill and I didn't tell anybody about it. I did it just for me with I made this and I want the world to see it. You really have to strike that balance to keep this archetype happy. So really this archetype appreciates balance between crafted content and creative expression. Okay, those are the first four archetypes. I'm uh, taking it in little bits, little chunks, just because it's a lot to take in. It's a lot to process and think about. And I really want you all to think, where does the creator show up in my life? Where is the king in my life? Are these any of my prominent archetypes? Again, you'll probably have three or four that are pretty big for you and always in the forefront. And then you'll have some that come out during certain situations, and then you're going to have some that are shadows. And that's okay, because we all have shadows. We all have a shadow side, and the key here is understanding which one is our shadow and how do we integrate it. If you want more moon content before next week, go find me over at Instagram, at moonmatters.astro, and then join me back here next week so we can talk about the next four shadow archetypes.